Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. On this episode, I will introduce you to Susanna Sylvia. This episode is particularly fun because Susanna and I actually went to high school together back in New Orleans. Although we haven't seen each other in about 20 years, we are friends on Facebook and it's been fun to watch each other's careers as SLPs grow. For Susanna, that's meant being clinical director at Beyond Therapy in Ridgeland, Mississippi, teaching as an adjunct professor, starting a blog, and even writing a children's book. As you're listening, I want you to pay special attention to anything Susanna says that resonates with you. Maybe it's that she's from the South or has kids or was open to finding ways to diversify her income. Listen, because she's talking to you. Okay, let's dive in. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. All right, so before we begin, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Absolutely. I am Susanna Sylvia. I'm a speech pathologist and director of Beyond Therapy in Jackson, Mississippi. So this is a really fun episode because Susanna and I actually went to high school together at the Academy of the Sacred Heart in New Orleans. The best. The best. Um, (laughs) And we, we, we were friends, like we knew each other, we were in classes together and whatnot, but like, did you have any idea that you wanted to be, did you know what SLP was back then? Cause I didn't really. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, I, um, I knew I wanted to be in healthcare and I knew I wanted to help people, but I didn't know if it would turn into like nursing or teacher. I really didn't know. So I think this is like the best of both worlds there. Well, in, in our class, there was at least one other person who became an SLP and then an OT. Yeah. And then a girl a year behind us also is an SLP and has her PhD. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't a trendy profession there like it is now. No, it wasn't at all, but here we, here we are. So how, 
So tell us about how you did get into the the field and or what your early days as an SLP were like. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a very loving mother, but she's domineering and really puts me on the right path (laughs) and tells me what to do. And so she is a retired kindergarten teacher, very creative. I am creative too. I've always been into the arts and we did plays today, you know, together, Jenna and I, but I didn't want to be a teacher. And she told me not to be a nurse for whatever reasons and went to LSU in Baton Rouge was undergrad. And actually one of our old classmates, sister was graduating in communication disorders and told me all about it. And my mother said, that's what you need to do. And because I told my mom after we had the conversation and the rest is history. Um, I just love that there was so much that you could do with it. I didn't necessarily wanted to go into the school system for no reason other than I was more interested in the medical aspect of it. And when I found out that you could go in the hospital or you could do private practice or you could be a profession, you know, a professor at a university, that's kind of where I went. I love it. So what was your CF and early career? Like, did you start at a private practice or did you start somewhere else? Okay, so you have to remember that I graduated in May 2005. And what happened in August 2005 in New Orleans? Because I went to grad school at LSU Health Science Center in New Orleans. So I was super eager and excited to have my first job in New Orleans, speech and hearing, which is a, you know, a private practice outpatient. Um, I knew that's what I wanted to do. That's where I had my clinical placement. I had all the balls to, you know, ready and together. And um, what happened was a hurricane named Katrina hit. So as prepared as you tried to be, things happen. And I went on my way to Jackson, Mississippi. That's where we always evacuated because I have family there. Um, My parents are originally from there. And I knew I had to finish my CF. I had a certain amount of time. I didn't want to stretch it out. And I went to work. I actually went to work for myself. I knew that every state had to have an early intervention program. So I called them right up. I knew that there were families from the Mississippi coast were also affected and a lot of families from New Orleans. And so they needed help. Um, And I just started seeing babies at their house. And I did have to have a supervisor. That was the only thing. So I did go to work for Beyond at the time was called Beyond Play. And it's still the same place where I am now. It's just changed over the years. And that's where I am now. I'm the director there and um, a partner and we're expanding and growing and going to different communities. And so I've just kind of kept on the path and just put in the work and, you know, kept going and the doors open naturally for me. Well, isn't that wonderful that you have such a tragic situation? So so you you were supposed to be starting, you know, your CF at mm-hmm. New Orleans Speech and Hearing, which I actually mm-hmm. did an internship there when I oh, was in really? college. Okay. Yeah, I, I, at Loyola, I was trying to decide if I wanted to do speech. So I kind of got them to let me do an internship there. I don't even know how I swung that, but I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my first day of my CF was at Spalding Rehab Hospital in Boston. Okay, and yeah. And the day that the levees broke, everyone remember who's listening, hopefully remembers Hurricane Katrina, was the day that I was at that hospital orientation where you learned how to like wash your hands. Right. Oh, shut so, yeah. Which is so boring, right? Mm-hmm. First of all. 
unnecessary, fine, but boring. <laughs> and like my whole world too is like crashing, like crashing, terrible. And I wasn't there mm-hmm. and I felt terrible. And it's like, how mm-hmm. can I concentrate on my, my CF with all this terrible stuff happening? So right. it was an awful time for, for people from New Orleans and the Gulf coast. Yeah. But you know, for, you just have to do what you have to do, you know, and people found jobs and you had a, I mean, you had to continue because clinical fellowship and plus I needed money. I mean, I, and I was eager to work and just graduated with all this knowledge, but thankfully, you know, um, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, we barely even knew each other, but he came along. He was, he's actually from Boston area and, helped me and helped me make like a little LLC. And I just went into houses and then grew into beyond therapy. I love it. So tell me more about beyond therapy, who you serve, who is part of your, you know, uh, who works for you guys? What is your, what does your layout look like? And what do the day-to-days look like for your business? So pretty much it started in 2005. So right when I was seeing babies, I connected um, with a physical therapist who was starting it. And so we kind of co-partnered together and we went into houses and we had a contract with, you know, First Steps, which is the early intervention program in Mississippi and really didn't have like a clinic. We a little small space that house medical records. And we saw only birth to three um, babies in their house. And then those babies turned three and was like, we want to keep our therapist. We don't want to. So it really just naturally happened. And it's not like something that you just plan on paper. It just, everything naturally happened. And so 2007, we built a clinic and started hiring an OT and a speech therapist. And she did the, the PT um, did a lot of the business aspect where I did more of like the marketing. I love the marketing, the creative kind of website kind of things going out, meeting doctors. I'm a relationship person. I'm an extrovert. So um, where she was better at the paper and pencil things, but, and then it just continued to grow. And so now we're in the same location. We have a clinic in Tupelo that um, I support. I'm not so much part of it, but there's directors there, but we will be opening in Hattiesburg, which is about two hours South of us. And I will be a partner there. So we're growing and um, it's really exciting that, you know, you put in the work and everything just happens, you know, going with the current. I love it. So that means you have two locations now and you're adding a third this year. A third, Yeah. And we treat all pediatrics, all ages until about 18, take all insurances. And we have about 20, 25 therapists. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like a, a fairly big operation for your area. Yeah. So we're pretty much the leading outpatient facility. And so, you know, we are um, the physical therapist that partnered with me, did retire. Um, and we did sell to a, a parent company that does help us, you know, with different support systems and stuff like that. But, you know, I've always just stayed there. I've just felt right, you know, rather than white knuckling something to make something happen. I just always felt like it was the place I needed to be even through the, the hard times. Cause every business, as you know, has hard times and it's really about, you know, grinding it out if you really feel like it's the right place for you. And it's always been a love of mine. 
I love that. And that's nice too, that you, you have that stability and you have that community and you have, you know, not only the community of people who are working for you and with you, but the community that you're also serving and how wonderful that you're now starting to expand that yeah, um, so that more people can get access to the services that they need. Oh, absolutely. So something I also remember about you, for, you know, we've maintained, uh, thank goodness for Facebook, right? Because you, yeah. you know, you haven't, I don't know that I've seen you in like, I don't know, 20 years. We just had our <laughs> 20 year high school reunion, Yeah, but I feel like I've been able to, to keep up with you, but I've always known yeah. that like me, you were also um, into multiple streams of income. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what role that has played in your life. Yeah, I think it's like a personality thing too. I mean, of course, anybody can have multiple streams of income, but it does take a little bit of work. And it is something that I've always had, even growing up, my parents provided. But if I wanted something extra, we did go to a nice school, Uptown New Orleans, where you know, people had extras, they had nice clothes and maybe a certain type of brand makeup. And if I wanted those extras, I had to work for it. So I always, you know, had little jobs on the side rather than babysitting or helping my dad's photography business on the weekends or whatever it was. I always just wanted extra money so I can have those extras. Well, going into professional you know, I always knew I was going to have side jobs. Like even in grad school, I was a tutor, you know, um, I babysat, I carpooled during my extra time and it wasn't necessarily for, I mean, it's for income, but it's also for the relationships, you know, and in the community and really being able to build on those. So now, you know, my day job, I'm a speech pathologist, I'm the director, but I do adjunct um, teaching at a local university. I've been doing that since 2013, I believe. And that just started off by them inviting me to guest speak and they liked me. And one of the professors went to LSU. So we had that Um, common ground. And then, you know, just I have a creative, having a creative outlet. I've started a blog and then wrote the book. And I just think it's great because it decreases boredom, um, burnout, which we know happens in any profession, but it can definitely happen in pediatrics, especially with the rise of autism. Gosh, you know, we're exhausted working with families and so forth. So it's just a really great side gig um, that really just just helps helps me professionally, you know? Well, and it's also, we, we talked about this before we started recording, but both Suzanne and I have kids, right? I've, mm-hmm. I've got two, you've got three. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're also, both of us are pretty busy moms, but I think that there, you said something which really I liked, which was about reducing boredom. I yeah. think that, you know, we need to keep our minds stimulated with mm-hmm. other things. And there, there are certain people who really seem to be driven by that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't turn it off. <laughs> Sometimes I, I yes. wish I could. Yes. Um, and there's other people who, who aren't, who don't think that way. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's probably some people listening to this who are like, Oh God, no, I would never do that. Yeah. And that's, and that's fine. fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It's just not okay with me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just what I've always always been like, and, you know, and I think it creates leverage too. I think leverage is really important. It's something that I've talked to a lot of my students about having that upper hand and having a specific and greater knowledge and exclusivity in a particular market. I don't want to lose my job, you know, and those things happen. People think, oh, layoffs only happen in, you know, blue collar factories. Like 
there was, I was telling Jenna that before this, there were three speech pathologists that got laid off in a local hospital that called me on Friday. Yes, layoffs happen for different reasons, budget cuts or whatever. But if you can have that upper hand being an author or having a blog or having a small business, like it really proven your worth um, really helps in a, a market that has healthcare changes or whatever changes it is. It's just very important to have. And the other thing I said, so, so I want to talk more about the book, but before we talk more about the book and the blog, actually, you mentioned the, the teaching at the local university and so yeah. that it started as a, you know, come to a guest lecture. So I'm right. sure that there's people listening who think, wow, I would love to be able to do that. Do you have any tips for people who might be interested in doing some teaching? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's never something that I've forced and I search for of any of these opportunities. It was something that um, the professor who is now the program director just went to our website and saw that I went to LSU and was like, oh, well, I know LSU. I, you know, she was from Michigan and she had her PhD from LSU. So she just randomly called me and we talked on the phone and she asked me to guest speak because I had um, great knowledge of early intervention. And that was something she wanted to add to her language disorder class, more in her, you know, early intervention information. And so I guest spoke for about two years. Um, and mentioned to her how great, how much fun it was. And I really enjoyed it. And I loved talking to the students. And uh, she said, oh, well, do you want to do the early intervention class, you know, in the summer? And so I did. I still do that. It's a great class. And then about two years after that, she added another class. So in the summer and in the spring, I teach a, a class right after work. You know, it doesn't interfere with what I'm doing during the day. And I, I absolutely love it. And so it's just, the doors just open naturally. So it was great. Well, I, I love that you said that, you know, that she just contacted you, right? So that, that in itself was a little bit random, but the fact that you then made your intentions, you know, that you said, Hey, this is actually really pretty mm-hmm. fun. I'm enjoying this. You know, if there are opportunities to do more, you know, please keep me in mind. Right. And then that's what turned into something else. Right. And I think that all the time we have an opportunity to whether it's, you know, to a particular person or to the universe or whatever, Mm -hmm. but like, let our, let our intentions out there so that people know. And that's often how things happen. Oh, absolutely. You have to tell people what you want, but I didn't know then that I wanted that. You know, I, I didn't know. I didn't want to call a professor and say, hey, I want to teach a class. I have no experience. You know, I have to find out for myself if it's right. And it was something I really enjoyed. And it was part of that teaching aspect that my mom, you know, it, it comes from my mom, who is a retired kindergarten teacher. And so there is a little bit of family, you know, blood with teaching. And so um, it's another creative outlet for me. So now let's talk about your blog and your book. So when, when did you get started? How, how did that whole thing unfold? Honestly, I think it goes back to, I was just in a time where I was, I have three small children and I was having children. I was just feeling a little complacent 
and tired. You know, I love speech pathology. I love treating kids. I love being, you know, the director and and empowering therapists and managing therapists. But I just felt like knowledge wise, I needed to put some things on paper, rather it being writing articles, which we do, you know, which I do for magazines and so forth. But I love writing and I've always loved writing. And I felt like if you can write it down, it really empowered me to, hey, I really do know this stuff. And it builds some confidence. Um, So I started my blog called The Southern Babble. Um, Probably, I think it was about 2015, maybe 14. I I could be wrong. I'll be honest. (laughs) I'm not sure. All those years kind of go together. (laughs) I had babies for six years, 2011 to 2016. So anyway, some time in the baby. bearing years. And it was really very simple, you know, just specific topics. I think that's really important is really focusing on something that is specific that I felt like maybe others needed to know about it, rather it be families or other therapists. I also realized that the, my grad students weren't really wanting my handouts anymore, my papers they were going digitally and they wanted just a quick link to able to um, research or reference something. And so that's really how it started, you know, just being able to add quick articles on there so that in my class, so it kind of all links together. So when I would go back and teach my class, I could say, Hey, go on my blog, quick link. Um, You can find more information there. So that's fantastic. And I think that you're right, that students have really changed how they want to get information, not just students, but, you know, the younger set of SLPs also want that digital access to, you know, resources and articles and all those kind of things. Okay. So that's kind of how, how the blog got started. Tell everyone about your book. Okay. So I always wanted to write a book. I wrote little books like they were called bear books when I was little. It was like a bear cover and you created and um, always loved writing, like I said. And so I had this idea probably a year and a half ago that I wanted to write a book about my favorite word, which is that, and it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a Saints fan or from New Orleans, who that nation, but I just love that word. It is a wonderful word to use in therapy, to work with children that maybe are pre-verbal or non-verbal because it's super simple and functional. So I kind of did a prototype, just a random construction paper book and used it in therapy about a baby that uses that in different contexts and different routines and with gestures like pointing. Um, And my kids in therapy loved it. Again, a creative outlet that I needed because clearly I have a, you know, creative bones and just really went from there. But my problem was is that I couldn't figure out like who was going to illustrate it. My mom is an artist and she can draw. Um, but my mom just didn't really seem that interested in it. <laughs> That's okay. I accepted that. And so as having my blog, the Southern Babble, a lot of people use Instagram, you know, um, and I had this wonderful community around me um, of speech pathologists with that blog and that Instagram page. And I saw um, my illustrator, Maureen Coquan. Um, She started a book and had some illustrations. And I just asked her, I said, listen, I'm 
messaged her and said, I need an illustrator. I love your work. Um, She didn't have millions of followers. So I felt like she would respond back and um, which she did. And I said, I just need a little help. Like, I feel like I have this idea, I have this idea, but I don't know how to take it to action. I need help. And I have no trouble asking for help. And as you know, asking people like, this is what I interested in. Can, can you help me? Do you have any opportunities for me? And she said, yes, I have never met her in person. We have only talked on the phone through videos, through emails. Um, she sent me drawings. And so I contacted her, contacted her in May and then my book was published in October. Um, and the great thing about Maureen was that she made me do everything. Because there were times where I'm like, this is so hard. This formatting is so hard. Getting in touch with this publisher is so hard. I don't know how to do any of this. I don't even know how to use Adobe in design, you know, and she kept just saying, listen, listen, you can do it. This, you know, it'd been very easy for me. And there was a couple of times where I suggested it and she didn't really take the bait, but I said, I'll pay you to format it for me. But her whole lesson was, this is part of the fun. This is part of it. This is part of writing a book. It's, it's the progress, you know, and the process and, and not the outcome, which we all know, you know, and about making the mistakes and feeling really proud that when it comes out, I'm like, I did this, you know, rather than just paying somebody to do it. So it's definitely the lesson that I've learned is like progression over perfection. And I've had to say that to myself so many times, no matter if it's through my speech pathology, directing, teaching, writing a book about like progression over perfection. Cause I think so much of that we do people is that are entrepreneur, you know, opportunists, they tend to look at the outcome and want it to be perfect and to say the right thing. And, and it's, it's really not about that. You know, it's, it's the, the process and um, learning from those mistakes. And it was, it was such a great fun experience and especially doing it with another speech pathologist. I forgot to mention the illustrators, a speech pathologist. That's so much fun. So, so you, you were able to collaborate with someone who you said that you've never met. You created Mm -hmm. this book that's now for sale on where Amazon, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's incredible right? You keep talking about these, these creative outlets that not only are creative outlets, but they're additional financial outlets. Right. Yeah. And And it's not like I do it really for financial. I mean, yes, it's great to have the security, you know, if something happens and whatever, but you know, I I don't look at it first, like I need to make money. So I'm going to write a book and I'm going to teach. And it's not a plan that I graduated. And that's something I think that there's the lesson there is that a lot of my students and younger therapists want to achieve so much so quickly. And I'm like, have patience, keep it going, put in the work, you know, it will come. And, and, you know, they just, they, they realize it. Cause when you, you know, when the path unfolds before you obviously have put in the time and the effort, and that's when you know that you're in the right place rather than a time when you are white knuckling something and focusing on the outcome. And it's just worth it rather than the instant gratification. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, in our profession, most people didn't get into this profession to make money. 
right? Right. If, mm-hmm. if we wanted to make money, we would have ch- lots of money. We would have chosen other <laughs> professions, right? Right. But I think there is something to be said by, you know, finding things that you really like doing mm-hmm. and then finding a way to have even a little bit of financial reward from that, right? So right. like teaching, right? You mentioned teaching is kind of in your blood because of your mom and you you enjoy teaching, but it's also nice to get paid for that, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, cash is cash. I mean, it's great for, you know, if three small kids, it goes, it's needed. I think that's fabulous. So, so what's next for you? Do you have like another creative outlet that's brewing in your head? Are you going to keep going with the book or the practice? What, what's next for you? Well, Jenna, that's the problem. I have so many ideas and I know you're the same way and I never want to put it on my husband or my therapist because then they are exhausted by me. (laughs) So I write down a lot. I'm a very visual person. I would love to do another book and Maureen and I are actually talking about that. I have a lot of ideas about gestures which are so important in our field. And, and says a lot. And um, the research behind the book is going to continue until my next book. Um, and so really, yes, I love the word that, but also going into another one that's frequently occurring. And then, you know, I'm focusing on um, opening Hattiesburg Clinic and helping the community there. And and I just love to empower therapists and and have a great director there. But a younger director and, and helping her feel confident, you know, and I can't touch all the kids in Mississippi and Louisiana, but if I, I feel like if I can educate people and empower people, then I'm, I'm working in masses. (laughs) That's how I feel. Well, it sounds like you have, you know, an impact goal, right? That you want to be able to impact. Absolutely. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and I can tell that about you too, because teaching has a broad impact, right? Right. You go into a classroom, you know, during the summer and and during the spring, and there's however many students in your class and those students spread out across Mm -hmm. the region or the the U.S. or whatever, right? So that's impact. And then this book that you authored and and another book hopefully coming out later um, Mm -hmm. will also have greater impact than you could ever do by yourself just in your community. Yeah. You're absolutely right. All right. Is there anything that we did not talk about that you want to share with our listeners, lessons learned along the way, mistakes that you've made, anything like that? I think I've said it all. Progression over perfection. I say it to myself every day. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode. It's really fun to have been able to interview. I've interviewed other friends from the SLP world that I that we know each other as SLPs. Right. But it's really fun to have gotten to interview someone who we knew when we were just like, I don't know, 14 or whatever. Uh, yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> we look the same now. We look great. <laughs> we look fabulous. Oh, my God. Well, thank you so much. So where can people learn more about you? Okay, so um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook under the Southern Babble. And that's also my website is the southern And then there's a link on both the website and the Instagram page to my book. It's on Amazon, so you could just search it or Barnes and Noble, so you can search it. Um, and then there's just some information like about me and about beyond, just, just different links. And hopefully you can find some good stuff there. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing all of your creative outlets 
And uh, I just really appreciate you being on the show. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, Susanna. You too. Bye. Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned. And I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms and your own time. And yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks, the start track and the grow track, because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I want to teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part, these trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com. Click start or grow and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT private practice beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.